for joining the backdrop. Yeah, glad glad to have you guys up. Looking forward to a fun season coming up. So. Absolutely. We were uh, on our drive up, and it's uh, you know beautiful sunny day, or it was a beautiful sunny <laughs> spring day. And we've lost a little bit of, about that. But w- when do you start getting the itch to play golf? I start getting it right about now. Once the Masters gets going, it you know it just especially for me growing up, it always felt like the weather started to finally turn right around the Masters. It just everything seemed to kind of click right around then. Ba- you know, even baseball starting up, everything kind of felt like okay, we're out of the winter now. It's time to you know, shake off some of that in-house rust and and get out and about. So Yeah, and you were uh you were saying how the the Masters lines up so perfectly with our weather turning you know it's almost like exactly when the masters is on tv is when our grass starts turning a little green yeah you you can always count on it either being like the masters or even with easter i know easter kind of bounces all over the place but that's that's usually a good benchmark anything before that is just a bonus and hopefully it's not anything later than that like last season so and you're uh you're headed down to augusta this year i am i'm gonna go down at least for one of the practice round days and just try and soak it up and uh it's supposed to be 82 and somewhat sunny on Monday, so yeah, it'll be nice to bust out the shorts and show off my white legs. And Lucky man. We'll go and enjoy it for the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, you'll be there practice on days, so take some pics. Why yep. not? Yep. Uh, and bring all that Augusta magic back here to Illinois for us. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get into – I wanted to chat with you just a little bit about this place. I, I, sure. I love uh, this country club, Glen, Glen Flora, where we're sitting today. And uh, I want to learn more about it. So we'll, we'll dive into some stuff that we probably don't know. Um, but before I do that, yeah, we were greeted by the most pleasant scent in your pro shop today. <laughs> uh, could you tell us a little bit about the candles you have down yeah. there and where those come from? Because that was a story I've never heard. So we found them last year. Um, I actually, the first time I saw them was over at Exmoor Country Club. Uh, Schmaltz, the head pro down there, does a, he's the merchandiser of the year. He does a phenomenal job. Uh, it's McDuff Candles, and it's this girl who's like 15 years old now that was watching Shark Tank with her father, who's a golf pro out east, um, and came up with this idea to to basically, you know, kind of engrave and etch these candles and sell them at country clubs. Um, and they'll take pictures, you know, scenic pictures throughout your golf course and put those on there. They'll logo just, you know, the club logo on there. They do a lot of really fun things, but uh, it's one of our better selling items in the shop and they smell great. They last forever. Um, I never thought in all my years I'd be selling candles out of a golf shop, but you know, you put the club logo on it and everybody's on board. So. I, it, 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 I'm not kidding. Like it's just such a unique <laughs> scent that you don't, you know, there's a lot of scents in the pro shop yep. and, <laughs> and around coffee. It junk. does help it mask some of the uh, paint fumes and the construction <laughs> fumes that are going on in there. So it doesn't hurt. But. Yeah. So, so share with, uh, our, our group here a little bit more about all the stuff you guys are doing out here. I mean, your pro shop is, like you said, <laughs> under construction and, and making some headway. So tell us what, what the project is. Yeah, we, we're blessed right now to have an owner that's really um, been supportive of some of the projects and kind of upgrades that we've wanted to do around the club, around the golf course. Um, and this winter we made a, a push to put in a new golf indoor simulator slash fitting room um, that's in the golf shop so we had to reconfigure a lot of the layout of the shop itself and the shop itself just needed kind of a freshening and an upgrade uh, the use of space wasn't the greatest uh, for what we really needed so he was nice enough to just kind of 
let us run with it and kind of reorganize and, and re-lay out it to make more sense for, for our overall needs. Um, the shop couldn't come out any better than what I had imagined. It's looking, so, re- it's looking really simulator's good. Simulator's going to take a little while longer to get going, but once it, you know, as long as we've got it ready to go for the fall, I mean, we don't want to detract away from the, the summertime anyway and everybody hanging out inside. But, um, no, we're excited about it. It's going to give us a great extra amenity for the club that um, – I think that was well needed. So what, what do you think? Did, so did you evaluate a bunch of different simulators yeah. to, you, you went through that game, yeah. go down it's, to the it's, show. And it's funny. One, one of my first jobs that I had in the golf business, I worked at Champagne Country Club and that was almost 10 years ago now. And I just, I remember being down at the show for the first time and there was maybe a couple of companies that were doing them and they were, you know, the graphics were kind of like, you know, maybe Atari when it first came out, it was like, eh, it was a little questionable, but you know, at least it was there. And then having gone down the last two years and looked at them, I mean, there it's it's amazing. It has come such a long way. The graphics, just the ease of everything, the price. Um, it's amazing what they've done. I mean, it's yeah, it's come a serious long way. We, yeah. we got an appreciation for it last week. We went to uh, Clee's Golf Shop on okay. the south yep. side. It's what the what they say the oldest freestanding golf shop in America. Okay, uh, because it used to be across the street from the South Shore Country Club, and yep. then they moved you know Western uh, Western Avenue down near Beverly. And anyways, but we're they have a simulator. He says, yeah, why don't you guys sit in the simulator? <laughs> If it's from the 80s, I'd be surprised. <laughs> and there is, a, you said Atari, there's like an Atari figurine that makes a swing and it's just a, a, a you know, a, a parabola that sh- shows you the the arc of your golf ball. But I have to say this, it was pretty accurate. Yeah. I don't, it wasn't visually stunning by any <laughs> means, but to see what like you guys have mocked up here. It's a here, retro feel. It's a <laughs> retro feel. It's a little throwback. But to see what you guys have mocked up here, I mean, gosh, it has come so far. And what, what do you think are like, the purposes of screen screen golf or simulators. I mean, how, how is the club going to utilize it? I, I think some of the uses are just endless. Not only just for golf, but you could have couples parties in there to have a movie night, uh, kids night in there, showing a movie while maybe the parents are having a social event. Um, you got leagues that you can run all winter long. You know, you've got your uh, your actual fittings that you're able to do. You know, that that's one of the biggest selling points that I made with the owner is a lot of these club companies have already released their equipment in January and February. Well, that's great if you're Florida, if you're Arizona, or you know, clubs that are in season during those winter times. But for the northern clubs. You know, we, our members are anxious about some of the new equipment. And, you know, if we're not able to help them get into new equipment during those winter months, that's, you know, that's kind of hard. And we want our members to be able to think that they can come to us for the latest and greatest when it comes to equipment. So, or at least to try it out. Yeah. So, as do you think as more uh, clubs start to, you know, add on simulators, and I, and I, I'd assume that's, that's a trend that's going to continue yeah. for, you know, all, all the seasons like you're talking about. Do you think they'll all be kind of a, a, a mini version of like is your is your fitting sessions are they going to kind of go up in terms of um, all the tools that you've been using like you know Club Champion obviously has introduced this whole you, know, you look at their wall of yeah shafts I, and, and the do, different combos you can do I do think that that is changing a lot everything equipment in general is just becoming more boutiquey and more about making sh- and I think golfers in general are doing a better job of understanding all right I need equipment that actually fits me. 
I don't walk into a car lot and just buy a car because on the outside it looks great. I want to sit in it. I want to make sure that it feels good and drives right and all that. It's the same thing with golf equipment. If you're going to spend the kind of money that you know that's involved with equipment, then it should you know feel right and fit and perform how you need it to. Right. Instead of you know getting ill-fit equipment and now you're making compensations. It, yeah. It's just such a. It's disappointing to see when people do that to yeah. just. All right, I have to have a club in my hand. I want to buy it right now, but it could set you back quite a bit. Yeah, so. I, I, I'm such a proponent for fittings. I'm I'm not a proponent for all the new stuff, to be frank. Like I, I don't. I think it's more marketing than uh, the actual functionality of it. But I, I'm such a proponent for just go get fit. You yeah. know, even if you even if you end up bending some 1970s irons, I don't care. But it should probably be at your your lion loft. Get clubs fit for kids. Kids need to be fit. I can't tell you how many times, and I, and I was that way growing up. I had, you know, grown up clubs that were just cut down. You know, Wilson yeah. Staff fluid fields that were basically cut two inches down. But right those you. are the kind of things that can set a kid's development back in golf because it's either too heavy or it's not the right flex. You know, a lot of little things like that. So, how, how do you do that with a kid that's growing? So, you know, you get them fit if they're like a seven-year-old. Because I, I yeah. agree with you. I could totally see how that would make such a significant difference as they're learning the game. But, like, do, do you just get them fit every year then? Or, or how does that work? You should at least have them checked every year, especially if a kid's, you know, anywhere from seven to 14, 15. I mean, those kids can grow a couple inches in a year without even blinking. Yeah. So you do have to be careful. Just keep getting them checked. A lot of the club companies, especially the younger kids, the U.S. kids do a great job of kind of fitting by height and they leave a little room in there so that if there is some growth, you're not totally outgrowing them and feeling like you're, you're buying clubs every year. But so there is a little bit of leeway that they put in there. Um, and they do a great job of trading clubs back in towards your next set. Um, But other than that, I mean, when you get a little older, you can maybe add in some plugs at the end just to add a little more length. But, you know, just making sure that you're kind of keeping up as best as you can. I mean, it's I get it. It's it's an expensive sport. Yeah. And if you're that, uh, you know, 35 year old still playing the uh, (laughs) I'm looking at our co-founder, Mark Caldwell here. What calls you? That's the 840, 845s. Tommy Armour. Grooves. They, they don't even have grooves anymore, yeah, but he right. smokes these things. And so I, I, think, I think you're the example <laughs> of when people don't get fitted and they just change their whole game to it, one specific set of clubs and they keep it forever. But I will say that's one of the three best irons probably to ever have been made. Right. I mean, I, I played those from it's probably eighth grade through freshman or sophomore year of college. I mean, that's. They're easily one of the best. Yeah, they're they're so pure, and they still look good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they would match up with yeah. anything else yeah. out there. What are the other two best irons, you think? Ping I-2s were pretty good. Um, those Titleist MBs from, uh, what was that, the 990s maybe? Yeah. It was right around like 2000. Just after they the were just, DCI. I don't think anybody were, could actually hit them other than probably two or three tour pros, <laughs> yeah. but man alive. I remember being in college and – if somebody showed up with a set of those irons, it was like, oh, man, <laughs> yeah. that guy, woo, he's got quite a set there. And then he shoots 90. And so. then shoots 90, yeah. <laughs> I think that's my favorite part is, like, I was that kid, too, that just wanted to have blades so badly. And in the peak of my college playing, I, I just insisted on these Wilson blades. And yeah. it was just as they were getting the staff brand back. I had no business playing these damn blades and yeah. my game suffered drastically. <laughs> and I just think a lot of people do that for the aesthetics, yep. but, uh, Hey, 
it's kind of cool. It was funny. I think in college he had a third at a tournament who just had no shot of probably winning. He had a third who were the look good, feel good, don't play good. And then you had the rest who probably actually had a chance. Yeah. But those were the – I was that middle third for sure. <laughs> um, I also rocked visors for a good period. That was embarrassing. Uh, so, so let's talk about you and your golf. Sure. Um, where did it start for you? Who, yeah. Where did you grow up playing the game? And, and you know, what led you into the, this profession in the PGA? Yeah, I, I grew up in Champaign, uh, Illinois. Uh, grandfather is the one who first got me into it. We literally just played around in the yard. I still I even got a picture on my desk from a little play school plastic set of just sitting around his yard. I remember him taking a coffee can and digging out a hole in the backyard, and we'd chip to that or putt to that. And then uh, as I got a little older and was kind of able to be out on the golf course a little more, we I grew up playing at the – University of Illinois Orange and Blue course. He had most of my family had all worked at the U of I, so they knew everybody out there. And um, they've got two great courses. One was great for kind of beginners and the kind of college kids that were hacking and chopping around <laughs> or whatever. Um, and then they had the Orange course, which was a little more tournament ready and a little more uh, difficult. So it was great to grow up and play out there. I mean, it was one of those things in the summertime where I would get dropped off. 8 o'clock in the morning, picked up at 5 o'clock, and you just went round and round and round. I'd help the guys out at the range, you know, pick balls to get free range balls. I mean, it was – I just loved it. So met a lot of other friends and stuff like that out there that we ended up playing high school golf together with. So Awesome. Uh, it was a good way to spend summers. And then where did you end up, uh, end up playing, playing college? I played there at uh, Parkland College, the community college in Champaign. I played two years there. Uh, and then transferred down to Southern Indiana and finished up playing down at University of Southern Indiana down in Evansville. So, did the game change for you at all from uh, those days of you know hitting towards the coffee can to uh, to, to playing for a score? Um, no, I think I've always been kind of a competitive personality. Like I, you know, I always joke with my wife. I can tolerate a lot of things in life, but losing is not one of them. So. Um, it just I've always just been competitive and it's one thing where you're also competing against everybody else but most importantly you're just competing against yourself so I mean I'm the only one who can control what I'm doing I have no control over you know Matt what you're doing on the golf course so um, I think that's been kind of the fun challenge and it's a game you know like we always say it's you're not ever going to perfect it so it's always kind of chasing that trying to get better so yeah it's uh, I, I think it lends itself to people that are um, you know, a little bit, maybe not risk takers, but they like that, that rush of competition. And I think yeah. as much as we like to talk about just the enjoyment of the game, go out for the enjoyment. You, you can't, you know, take that primal instinct of, hey, I want to compete. I want to beat my, either my last score or even better playing a little match and try to, you know, yeah. beat a team or beat somebody else. It's, um, you see that just across the board with people that really get to the next level of enjoyment when they're playing golf. Yeah. Uh, so from college then, did you go straight into PGA? No, I actually I moved back home to Champaign, and I was a preschool teacher for about two years, and just kind of through some random circumstances. And I was also coaching my old high school at the same time. So I'd coach the boys' golf team uh, in the fall and was teaching preschool year-round. And the Crosstown Rival High School's golf coach was the assistant at Champaign Country Club. So him and I had gotten to know each other really well, and um, he had 
that winter decided to take a job down in St. Louis. And he reached out to me and said, hey, if you've ever thought about getting in the golf business, you know, Lance, the pro at Olsen, the pro, the pro at Champaign, uh, is going to have a spot open. He's kind of old school. He, he loves to mentor young guys getting into the profession. He's like, if you've ever thought about it, he's like, now's the time. And, you know, I was 24 at the time. So I figured, all right, I, you know, yeah. why not? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And so this is why I love doing these, honestly, because, you know, if you would have given me 150 choices of what your profession was prior to being a PJ <laughs> professional, a preschool teacher <laughs> wouldn't have been on the list. I would not have guessed that. And the funny part is people always ask about the the high school, coaching the high school and the preschool. I said, the high school kids are way harder than all those <laughs> preschool kids. But it was, it was a lot of fun, and it, and it taught me a lot about, you know, just even scheduling practices and the structure of that and, and how juniors even think and develop and what works for them to get better. So that actually helped me a lot going, I feel like, into my first assistance job at Champaign. Yeah. So. Who, who are the best students, the uh, preschoolers, the high schoolers, or your members now? <laughs> uh, probably, I don't, I don't know. It's a, that's a pretty good toss-up. <laughs> <laughs> They're all, they, I bet you we all behave pretty similar. Yeah, they all have their moments. They all patterns. have their moments, yeah. 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 Uh, and you don't have to answer that. We won't force <laughs> it. Um, uh, that's, so that's so cool. So that, that's how you end up getting into it, from, from high school coaching to just knowing somebody and and then you, you've been fortunate to work at some pretty cool places too, right? Yeah, yeah. So I started off at Champagne Country Club, and then I worked there. Uh, it was in my second year that I um, started doing the north-south. Um, I worked in the summer, obviously, at Champagne, and then the wintertime I worked at the Country Club of Florida, uh, which is an unbelievable little spot on the east coast down in Florida. And then that winter uh, I had the chance to kind of move up the ladder a little bit, and I worked at Knollwood. Uh, the Knollwood Club in Lake Forest for, and I started that for four years. Uh, my first winter there, I got a chance to work at the Bears Club, and that was that was pretty neat. That was probably one of the more memorable experiences I had. Even though I just kind of worked basically outside, worked the range and some valet and this and that, it was it was a fun way to spend a winter time. So <laughs> yeah, get out of for dodge. Six months, it uh, probably get some pretty good golfers coming through the Bears Club too. I'd imagine. Yeah, it it's funny. I never minded working the range because it literally looked like some random mini PGA slash LPGA slash senior champions event out on the range because you'd have Dustin on one side hitting balls and then Rory, then like Tom Gillis and Briny Baird and then like Michelle Wee and it just was like this hodgepodge of PGA, LPGA, seniors, you know, then Nicholas maybe shows up and <laughs> he's hitting balls with his son Gary. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun, though. I mean, it was, you know, to watch any tour, ladies tour, doesn't matter. To watch any of them hit balls on the range day in and day out is just, it's mesmerizing at times. Is there a uh, golf swing that you first saw in person down there that always stuck with you that you wish you swung it like? I always tell people about watching Rory for the first time. That was the winner. He switched from Titleist to Nike. It wasn't one of the smoothest transitions I've seen, but <laughs> yeah. he's obviously since figured it out. But watching him, I think he was hitting like a three or a four iron one day on the range, and it was just – you just locked in. You couldn't help but watch because it seemed like every shot that he hit was on the same trajectory that – Literally, if you went out maybe 100 yards and, I don't know, 80, 90 feet in the air, you could felt like you could put a hula hoop 
and literally every ball would just like paint through that hula hoop. It was it was just unbelievable to watch. I and mean, he did it for like 30 minutes. Yeah. So he does it with such a fluid motion too. Yeah. It's I like mean, he's, he's exact, but it's so fluid. It looks like, uh, yeah, he's got, uh, every, that's a fun swing to watch. Yeah. No, it was, it was pretty neat. Um, so getting to, uh, and, and actually you worked for, uh, one of our other podcast guests yep. at a certain point, right? Mike Harmon down yep. Secession. Yeah. I, I just listened to the cast the other day, uh, and I didn't even fall asleep listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he so, had the, you know, hopefully the right appropriate amount of wine and he was just in a storytelling mood is when you, when he tells stories, is it typically about, you know, I think it's a two hour pod. I don't know if we'll break that limit here today. He does. I mean, he's, he's just. He's got such a long storied history and such a varied background of playing everywhere, playing on the tour, growing the club, trips with members. I mean, there's just such a, you know, and stuff outside of golf that he tells stories about, you know. Um, I, it was hard to a lot of times get work done there because, you know, he just, there's such a wealth of information that he had. And I was lucky, you know, after having spent four years at Knollwood to have the chance to go work for somebody like Mike. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been around a few people in the game that I have hung that much on every word because, like you said, he's such a good storyteller and has such a wealth of knowledge. Um, what a guy. It's, it's easy to see why he's so beloved and has been so honored by so many awards. He's had, I think it's now eight guys move on from that club yeah. to be head, head golf professionals. So, I mean, it's you're learning things there that no book, no program, no anything is ever going to teach you. Yeah. Um, and that's, and you're, you're getting exposed to such a great membership and in uh, such a great golf environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And one of those head professionals is yourself. So uh, we finally arrived. I, it was going to be my first thing we were actually going to talk about was Glen Flora. Uh, yeah. But we're here. So tell us a little bit about the place. Tell us a little bit about the course. Yeah. Uh, it's got some unique history. It does. Uh, so Glen Flora was first founded in 1911, uh, moved to the present property in 1922. And the first two um, designers were actually the pros. Austin Clays um, was kind of the lead pro um, and had spent time at it on Wincia and Old Elm in the area. So you can kind of see some of the, on the golf course, little things that they kind of like cherry-picked from some of the other courses in the area. You can see little things that maybe they took from Shore Acres, a little bit from on Wincia, a little bit from Old Elm. So it's kind of fun that it's, it's literally a one-of-one. One. There is no other those guys never did any other golf course anywhere else. So, <coughs> excuse me. That's, it is, is kind of neat I, that it's, you're just not going to see it anywhere else. And yeah. it's, it's fun that it's an old, you know, kind of that 1920s era golf course that really has that feel out there. It's, you, you can tell right away when you get on the greens. And it's, everybody always talks about it's the greens here. It's not anything else. It's not, you know, the trees, the it's just the greens. The greens make this golf course. They can get fast. There's a lot of slope in some of them where it almost seems like there's too much slope, but it's just right to where it's it's enough of a challenge. And it's, I mean, it's a fun, fun golf course. Yeah, it uh, it has its own brand. I think that's something you you highlight with maybe the architects being you know one one of a kind because they didn't do another one, yeah. um, which you don't find that often. And we're all chasing kind of 
you know, our favorite architects of the, the golden age or, uh, you know, maybe just like Fazio or, or Bendelow or whoever, but, uh, it's cool to show up to a place and be like, I've never heard of any, either of these guys. I didn't know he was the head professional until now. Yeah. Um, but it does, it plays its own way. And, uh, and where it's located to is, is so neat. Um, you know, that we're just so close to Lake Michigan. Yeah. We're really close to the lake. So the weather at times, it, it keeps it relatively cool. Uh, but that plays nice into the summertime. You don't have to worry about, you know, maybe a course that's a little further West or Southwest is going to get pretty hot during the summertime. You know, if we get above 90, it's not for more than maybe seven or eight days total in the summertime. So the lake is the most inexpensive air conditioning I've ever seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Takes us a little longer in the spring to thaw out yeah. a little bit, but you know, it's, uh, it's been nice. So, and as you're driving up, you know, so many places, uh, coin the phrase hidden gems. And I hate that term. It's like, well, why hide? What's the point? You know? And, uh, but this place to me feels like maybe it's not a hidden gem, but it's definitely a place that, maybe doesn't get as much attention for, for, uh, you know, look at the wealth of golf courses just south of us. You know, we're, yeah. we're just north of the North shore. We're on the North shore. I mean, there's so many great golf courses there that maybe doesn't get all the, there's, yeah, I think some of that is we haven't hosted a, you know, a Western AM or a Western open. We didn't host any U S opens way back in the teens or the twenties or anything like that. So I think it's, it's just always been this kind of more discreet, you know, kind of club, uh, we did host in 1963 our the Big Three, which is a um, probably our most prominent event the club has ever had, uh, where we had Gary Player, Jack Nicklaus, and Arnold Palmer play a two-day match, which is really unusual um, for them to have played a two-day match. Most of the time, you know, they did the barnstorming stuff all throughout the year, but they would play one-day matches. So they played two days. They played for $50,000, which – 1963 is probably you know today's money that's probably i don't know half a million or whatever and you got to remember too all three of them were basically in their prime so nicholas had just started winning palmer i think just came off of winning the masters i think the year before so player had just started coming on i think he had just won an event so um it wasn't as though we caught them before. I mean, they were they were big time. Yeah, it was they the were peak. I, you have some pictures hanging in the clubhouse that you can walk <clears> by and see, yeah. and uh, it looks awesome. No ropes. Nope. You know, tons of people just following the groups, and uh, I mean that did, that didn't happen. You know, at Shore Acres, that didn't <laughs> that happened right here at Glen Flores. So how did it how did it come to be? It was a I believe an auto dealer had come up had come up with the money, but they needed a place to host. And I think they had reached out to a local dealership and said, well, you know, I'm a member here at the club and we'd love to have them out. So they hosted them and, uh, you know, the rest remains history. I mean, it's, I think the tickets were like $2 and 50 cents. And even if you go to our website, uh, or you can find it on YouTube, somebody had the wherewithal to actually film them warming up. Um, right on our range doing some putts ahead of time. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable to have the, those three out here for the That's pretty cool. That and, and over the two days, do you know who won and what was the total? Player won, and I want to say I, – I can't think of the total right off the top of my head. I think the lowest anybody shot was 67. Oh, all right. So, so the our course were. record is only 65. For a par 71, that's pretty wow. unusual, and it's been that way for – a long time. Par 71. How, how far from the tips? 
60, we'll call it 67, 68. Wow. And only uh, course record 65. Calling all scratch golfers. Come That's see what luck. you can do. That's yeah. the luck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've had our fair share of, of talent out here, and it's I, it's just one of those things. I mean, it's it's a classic, true, shorter golf course with tough greens. You cannot just come out here and overpower it. The yeah. fairways are thin, you know, very narrow out there, and it's just it's a lot of local knowledge on the greens. It's just not something to overpower it. Now, at some point, somebody will probably break it, but. We'll blame technology when it yeah. happens. <laughs> so uh, yourself, when you uh, get the chance to play, do you get to play much? Yeah, anymore? I try and I try and get out. You know, here a couple times a week. Just kind of depends on what we have going on event wise. And but my main mission every year is to try and play with a hundred percent of the membership. So wow, whether or not it can be done, it's just time management. So. That's awesome. That's awesome that you aim to do that. Is it? Uh, so when you're when you're playing, what, what's your favorite way to enjoy this place? Uh, kind of an ideal day if you're on the golf course, if you will. I'm an early morning. I, I love like right out of the gate that seven seven thirty, um, and then I, the evening time is pretty special because it it's it's a quieter golf course in the evening time. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but I don't. There's just something about playing in the evening time. I think that's. A lot of the golf that I played, like with my family growing up, we played in the evening time together. So I, it's just it's a fun time to be out here, and so I uh, I second that. The evenings for me, maybe I'm not a morning person, or I've tried to train myself to be, uh, but I think I grew up playing in the evenings. You know, yeah. dad got off work, or mom and brothers were just available then. So it's yeah. like that's where I started was sunset. And I still have this feeling every time I'm on a golf course at sunset, it's just the time I want to be there. It feels like a better way to kind of unwind for the day. Yeah. So that's a good way. That's a good way to put it too. kind of close things out. Um, well that's, uh, this has been great. I, I think you shared some, some awesome nuggets. We got us excited for the golf season. Anything else golf related or otherwise that we should, uh, touch on. No, I, you know, it's funny. I, I sent out our uh, first email of the year on the rules of golf, and uh, that's uh, no no email replies back yet. So <laughs> no, I don't know if, if everybody's closely analyzing and, and further discussing, but maybe it's just me. I, I don't feel like the rules have changed. I feel like they more or less eliminated what you were getting penalized for. I feel like they've probably made more of a production out of it than probably what it really is. Right. Um, you know, if you look at the, you know, there's that USGA 20 most important changes or whatever, they were all just more or less eliminating rules. So it wasn't like there was a new rule that it, if you hit a tree, it's a one-shot penalty. It, they didn't create anything really new. It's just they eliminated stuff that was already kind of nonsense that was in there. Yeah. Um, the only I one I don't really understand is the dropping at the knee. I think if somebody wants to throw it 100 feet in the air and let it drop, so be it. I mean, I don't – that's going to be, I think, to me, is the hardest part this summer is for a lot of clubs, especially in the north. I, I haven't read much on clubs in the south uh, that we're already in season and how those rules have affected events already. But I'll be curious to see, you know, the first member that is playing in club championship and he drops from his shoulder yeah. instead of his knee. You know, I mean, you're just you're going to put a lot of people in some really awkward positions. Yeah. And that's that to me is probably the most unfor unfortunate part. 
So the the uh, to to come, and I t- typically don't agree with all USGA moves, but with the knee thing, I started thinking about it, and occasionally. So one, there, I think there's two points there that I'm actually for it, which is uh, one pace of play just to avoid more redrops. I could yeah. see that maybe yeah. you know if you're yeah. on a slope and the ball's gonna roll, you got to <coughs> drop it again. The other is the intention of doing that. So I, I've definitely been events where guys are dropping on the firmest part of wherever, or yep. they're, I, I've seen some funny business rolling off the top of the fingers as they're extending, you know, all the way out to get that little bit of momentum. It's like, Oh, it moved closer. I got to, you know, place now. And I think the knee kind of takes away a little bit of that. To me, they're almost, I feel like the rules now are trying to manage everybody's integrity. You know, if the game was built on integrity, like it was supposed to, we shouldn't need to call people out on rules. And, to, you know, Adam Shank in that tournament where the caddy was maybe lining him up, that's that's up to Adam to call that on himself. Not yeah. for somebody to come running in, hey, 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 that's a penalty. I mean, that's, that's a great are point. Are you managing the, the integrity of the game or are you still leaving it to us? Because it feels like you're pushing everybody closer to, like, we're the rules officials now and we're going to call it on you because we don't think – you have enough integrity to call these rules on yourself. You know, I haven't, I haven't heard it said that way. That is so true. It's just like the game. That's, that is the game. We're the only game where the rules actually start with etiquette yeah. and start with you know honor and things of that nature. So, uh, wow. All right, I'm back on your side then. <laughs> the knee's stupid. Um, I, I can't. I can't. I would be shocked if this next winter they didn't readjust and sit yeah. down again and and go over things. I, I think the you know some of the gripes especially from the tour are probably are probably spot on and what are your favorites the favorite rule changes i you know i like the the five to three minutes has has been good um i think the tamping down stuff on a green is has been a nice adjustment the only the only one i wish they would have changed was you know if you're in a divot in a in a fairway i mm-hmm. think that you probably should get relief from that it's it's already hard enough to hit a fairway <laughs> so you know, to keep that penalty, but yet somebody who hit, who double hits a chip, you know, you're going to adjust that, but you don't adjust the fairway. So, but I overall, I mean, I, I I do I do like the effort that they're making. Um, we just have to just keep after it a little more. And, and, and you're right; it's going to take some getting used to. Yeah. I mean, I, I hit it in a uh, <coughs> uh, penalty area down in Florida, Ooh, and area, and like everyone that. saw me trying to avoid the. Uh, you know, I had some like willows behind me, like a marshy area, and I'm just trying everything I can do to not ground the club. Yeah. And they're like, "Buddy, you're working too hard. It's not a penalty anymore." Yeah. I'm like, interesting. So I think it's just going to take. Some yeah, time. it's just a lot of little things. Like I said, they're not. I guess they are changes, but they're not. To me, they're not monumental enough yeah. to where it's you know you're walking on eggshells around there. Yeah. So. Well, 2019, we got a lot to look forward to, and. Uh, you get to go to the Masters. So I'm excited for next week to hear how it was. It's coming up quick, so it's, it's just exciting. It's nice to see the weather finally break a little bit more, and hopefully by the time I come back, it's 80 and sunny, and the shop is done, and we're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Matt, thanks for joining the backdrop. It was uh, a lot of fun, and, and thanks for just sharing your story and all you do for the game. You got it. Thank you. My pleasure.